Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Running a business is a lot of work. Luckily, I've got a great partner. Oh, I thank you. I meant U.S. Bank. I knew that. U.S. Bank Business Essentials is a huge help to us. Totally. Their comprehensive point-of-sale system does it all. Tracks inventory, manages schedules, customizes orders. Plus, all the regular banking stuff. If only it could make coffee. Nah, that's your job. From point-of-sale to quick loans, we have many ways to make your business boom. That's what U.S. Bank is for. U.S. Bank. We'll get there together. Equal housing lender member FDIC.
All right, welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. It is Sunday, July 17th, 2022. I got a great show for everybody tonight. Peter Anderson of Alien Force, Jack Starr of Burning Star. What else can I say about such great guests? Both on tonight's show, we'll begin to both of them in a little while. We're going to play some music between now and then. Right there, Guardians of the Flame was aiming at a band that featured Jack Starr and Ned Maloney, who also plays in Burning Star with Jack. And my dear, good old friend, Shmulek Avigal, Sammy. I miss Sammy. He passed away about two years ago. He was on my show many times over the years, and we had fun talking. He was such a great guy. So down to earth, and I, and I do miss him. Also, Joe Hassel, Vander on Drums. Joe's been on my show countless times also. I love talking to Joe. And we'll talk to Jack later on during tonight's show. And I think because I'm such a big fan of all of Jack's music and the bands and the projects he's been a part of, I think we're going to sprinkle a little bit more of Jack's star throughout tonight's show. Maybe we'll touch on... All the bands and projects he's been a part of, uh, as many as we can get on in the time that we have. All right, let's keep the music flowing here, and we'll get to our first guest, Peter Anderson, in about 15 minutes or so. How about a little Rogue Mail? Get off my back. Yeah. 
Kill, Deny the Cross. John was just saying in the chat how great that album still sounds, and it does. Those first two Overkill records were absolutely fantastic. I mean, the two after that were pretty good, too, and then things started to change for the band, but they've been on fire for the last 10 years, putting out one great record after the next, and I know they're in the studio right now working on the new one. Slim chance we might get it in 2022, more than likely beginning of 2023. So next year's already looking like we have a lot to look forward to. And right before that, 
We had Power Lord with Malice and Rogue Mail. Get off my back. All right, well, I guess everybody heard there's a, I guess you can call it a Pantera reunion. I've never been a fan of Pantera, I have to be honest with you. If I do like any of the music, it's the early albums with Terry Glaze. I don't like anything with Phil Anselmo in the band. And I've just never been a fan of them in general. So, I mean, this doesn't really matter to me. I can care less. Uh, but this is, what I, you know, this is one of the things I talk about all the time and I get upset about. This is what's wrong with metal. I mean, there'll be a ton of promoters now that are going to go out there and try to get them to play because under the name Pantera. I mean, Phil Anselmo's been out there doing like all, all Pantera sets with one of his other bands. He's got like two or three bands going on. I don't know if it's the Illegals or another band, but he does pretty much an old Pantera set anyway. So what do you have? Rex Brown in the band now? I, let's be honest, one of the least effective members of the group you know, that anybody cares about. Pantera really was the Abbott Brothers I mean, you know, Phil wasn't even a part of that original lineup. I mean, I know he was part of the, the classic lineup and the one that most of the fans like, but I just don't get it. This is what's going on. This weekend, they had the Keepers of uh, Keepers of Metal Festival or something in, in Mexico. I don't remember the name of it. And, you know, they promoted the Savage Grace reunion. The Savage Grace, it was just Chris Logue playing with the band Voltex. They had did this, you know, they played their own set, and Chris Logue played along with them, and they did a Savage Grace set of music. How was that a Savage Grace reunion? Just Chris Logue. Yes, Chris Logue has been the one constant in the band when they were together, but they've had so many different lineups. I mean, there were different singers on every single Savage Grace record. I think the bass play and the drum actually went through on a couple of records, but there's been no consistent lineup. If you want to get a Savage Grace reunion, get John Burke and Kenny Powell up there and let that be part of it, and then I would love to pay to see that, you know, not just Chris Logan goes and comes, you know, he's got his medical practice, I guess, and all this shit going on. That's not a reunion, but people go out there and they crave it and they, they buy the tickets for it and they want it. And this is one of the problems. The same thing with Merciful Fate, probably one of my all time favorite bands. You know, I think it was like 81 or 82. Uh, we had a, a radio station in New Jersey. A college, back then, it was all college radio stations that played metal. And Gene Corey was uh, the DJ. I think it was from Montclair State University. And he had played A Corpse Without Soul. And, you know, he didn't mention the name of the band. He just said the song. And, it was, you know, I heard this high-pitched vocals coming on. And that's when I became a Merciful Fate fan. And I followed him until the day they broke up. I went with King Diamond when he went solo. You know, Hank Sherman did the band Fate, which was a real commercial AOR pop-type band in the beginning. They got a little heavy as they went on, but when I say heavy, I mean they made Def Leppard sound like a thrash metal band. I mean, they weren't really heavy at all, you know. And I, and I followed them till then, but like, when I heard about the reunion, I kept talking about it for years. I hope it happens. I hope it happens. They waited until Timmy passed away. Kim Ruz, I don't think, medically could play anymore. I think he's got issues, you know, medical problems, so he really can't get out there. And then they excluded Michael Denner. He's been doing interviews again lately, and where he was talking about like he felt like he was blindsided, that they put the band back together without notifying him or letting him know. And he thinks that it happened, you know, it's King Diamond that's doing it because he wasn't happy about the Dennis Sherman album cover because they used the same artist as Merciful Fate, and it was too reminiscent of a Fate album cover. Meanwhile, it was Dennis Sherman project. You know, Hank Sherman was a part of that also, so he didn't take it out on Hank Sherman, just Michael Denner. I don't get that. I wanted to see that classic lineup. They waited too long. It didn't happen. But you know what? They threw a ragtag band together, which is really just, you know, I mean, yeah, you got a couple of known plays in there that play with King Diamond and, and the bass player from Marmot Saint. But, you know, out of that original lineup, it's just, you know, Hank Sherman and King Diamond. When they could have had all the original members if they did this a few years back, it would have happened, you know. But now it doesn't. But you know what? It doesn't matter to them because the other guys are getting paid a salary of playing. 
Michael Denham and uh, I'm sorry, uh, Hank Sherman and Kenny Diamond are splitting the bulk of the money. So they don't really need Michael Denham there because every show is sold out. They're playing in front of packed houses. So when things like this happen with Mercer Fate getting back together with just King Diamond and Hank Sherman, Pantera with Phil Anselmo and Rex Brown, Savage Grace with Chris Logan, all these other bands that have one member, most of the time it's not even a real key member of the band or an original member of the band, the fans are still going out and buying tickets. And I can only think that these are fans that, that were born in the late 80s and are reliving an era that wasn't theirs or belonged to them. And they want to say that they saw all these bands that we saw when they were in their prime and playing with the original members. But I blame us. I blame the fans. If you keep buying tickets to these shows when these bands play without the original members for one reason or the other, I get it if the members passed away. I get it if some of the members aren't interested anymore, but that's not the case most of the time. It's a greed thing. They think they're going to make a lot of money and some of these bands can make some money doing it. So they eliminate everybody else. They put a few guys on a salary and they keep the bulk of the money themselves. That's my opinion. When bands do that, I think it absolutely sucks. So don't go to see these bands. Don't support them. Don't see the shows. And eventually you'll get that classic lineup back together if it can happen. Or they won't dilute the metal scene by putting these half-assed fucking versions of these bands together. That just pisses me off to no end. To no end whatsoever. All right, we're going to get back to the music right now because we've got to get to Peter Anderson from Alien Force in a few minutes. We'll do one more set. And, you know, since we were talking about Merciful Fate and Gene Corey, the only reason I came and I became such a big Fate fan because, like I said, Gene Corey played A Course Without Soul on the show, but he never mentioned the name of the band. And back then, DJs did that a lot. They would play a couple of songs. Sometimes they would mention the name of the band. Sometimes they wouldn't. So I went to the record store in 82 and I found the import, you know, the original, you know, EP from Merciful Fate on the shelf. I grabbed it off because, you know, you had a naked nun on the cover hanging on a cross. And holy shit, this is wild. I got to get it. And I saw a title on there. I said, oh, this is the band that he played. You know, you know, that's why I always announce the name of the band and the song when I do my show. Sometimes I repeat them twice because you do get people and fans that haven't heard these songs before. They're listening to my show for the first time. Maybe they're hearing these bands for the first time. So I, I always say the name of the band and the song so they know. So here you go. Merciful Fate. We're going to do some, uh, let's do Nuns Having No Fun.
But when I thought we were going to have one great guitar play from New York today with Jack Starr, but Gerard stopped by. That's his band, the Mericade, on the prowl of the debut record. They were such a great band. And, you know, from Brooklyn, New York. I mean, I'm still here in New York, you know, in Staten Island these days, but what a killer outfit. Gerard and his brother, Dave Spitz on bass, Walt Woodward on drums. What an absolutely great band. Check them out if you can. All right, we're going to get to the first interview tonight with Peter Anderson. From Alien Force, how about we start with a little classic Alien Force, we'll do Ripper and go right to that interview.
especially since I've been a fan of the band going back to 1985. <laughs> yeah. You too. Nice to talk to you. You too. It's it's a pleasure. I have to tell yes. you, I was so happy, you know, a few years back when you decided to give the band another go uh, for the Keep It True yes. Festival. And because of that, yes. we got another brand new record, the first one in like 30 years. Yes. So, so, so right. I mean, for, for all the people that don't are familiar with the band, there's a lot of new fans out there. Let's kind of go yeah. back to the very beginning for them so they get to know a little bit about Alien Force. Yes, yes, yes. We can do that. Alien so, so, uh, Force, yeah. I, I know the band, you know, people think the band came around, you know, like 84, 85, but it was really around quite a few years before that as a different name. Yes, it was. It was uh, it, uh, in 1981, and the name of the band was Psyching. It was the first name of the band. Uh, and we played some uh, some some just ordinary rock rock and roll. Uh, and we, we made uh, one single uh with two numbers uh, on uh, with, with the uh, psyching and after that uh, I mean about one year after we changed our name to Alien Force and uh, yeah yeah the heavy metal uh, uh, stage in Denmark wasn't that big it was a little there was not too many bands playing heavy metal in Denmark, so it was very difficult for us to to to, to play some gig in Denmark. Uh, yeah, well, Alien Force definitely yeah. has a much more metal-sounding name than Zyking. So yes, yes. It, it fit the band yeah, better yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at the yeah, time. And, but... and I don't know. Yeah, and, and I don't know where the name came from, Zyking. It was a crazy name. I don't know. Where, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody really knows. Crazy name. Everybody yeah, just joined and, the and, band and, and had a name. <laughs> yeah, and, and and we recorded the the single in a garage in in, in uh, near Copenhagen, and we uh, had to do it. Got pressed in Sweden, uh, about five hundred uh, copies. But uh, when we returned from Sweden to Denmark, uh, four hundred and ninety-five of them was crashed oh. in the mail. So we only had five left, uh, and we couldn't get any, uh, you know, from from the Swedish post that they wouldn't pay so we only got we stood there with five copies of uh, psyching so it's it's very rare it's Absolutely. a very rare thing so, yeah. yeah so so yeah. In, in 1984 you become alien force is it a whole new yes, start for the band now one more time excuse me uh so now the band becomes alien force is it a whole new beginning yes. for the band did you feel like you were starting over now and this was going to be the new thing yeah, yeah, but the lineup was the same from Psyching. Yeah. Uh, on the on the drum we had uh, the, the, the uh, Michael Rasmussen and his brother on guitar, Hinek Rasmussen, and on the bass uh, uh, Frank Frank East uh, uh, and me uh, as a singer. So the lineup was the same. The lineup was was the same. So so, but we started off there in 1984 with the with the new name Alien Force. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And and that produced Hell and High Water in 1985. Yes, today is still a classic yes. record by by anybody's standards. Yes, and we, <laughs> yeah, but but we we only found out 30 years after that it was. We didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't know that at all. Uh, uh, yeah, so it was it was it was funny. But but it's it's the you know, internet that did that for us. Well, you know, when the record came out in 85, I mean, heavy metal was at kind of like its peak. It just started really getting big. 
I mean, e- even yeah. like in your area, I mean, you had Artillery, Evil, I mean, Merciful yeah. Fate was the main band from there. Yeah. Kim Six, yes, uh, Mount right. Maltese Falcon, a lot of bands. That's, yes, 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 yes. And we we had a lot of gigs with them in Denmark. We read some some heavy metal marathon concerts. We had a we had the same manager all the bands, uh, and he made some some uh, where we played elf to twelve bands, uh, Friday and Saturday over two days. So uh, that's what we did back in those days. So, uh, but it was nice. Yeah. Was the scene in the mid '80s, like '85, '86, a little better now? Because people forget we didn't have the internet back then. It was people writing yeah. each other and fans telling each other about bands they know, and that's how bands kind yeah. of, you know, got big. Yeah. Was there enough of a scene going on that at that point in time in Denmark for the band to really grow? No, it, it grew, but it was very slowly. It yeah. was growing very slowly. Uh, it was, it, we, we didn't have that many gigs at that time. So uh, it was difficult for us and the other bands to play. There was, of course, the King Diamond and uh, you know King Diamond, who got a hold through with his uh, kind of music. So, but we were staying there in the background. Yeah, but you know, uh, you, you followed up Helen High Water one year yeah. later with Pain and Pleasure, and it yeah. was another great record, yeah. a great follow up. But then yeah. we never heard from yeah. the band after that. No, uh, we, uh, I mean, it was in 1989, maybe we split up, and uh, uh, Henrik, the guitar player, and his brother, M- Michael, and uh, me, we uh, made another band called Bad Medicine, where we uh, made one one, uh, one record, and it was more a light uh, rock and roll, but we got a lot of job on this record. Because we were so lucky that we were played in the radio, because it was more more listening uh, at that time, to maybe for the Danish people. Uh, it was, so uh, we got a whole through with bad medicine uh, at that time, more than we had with Alien Force. Well, it was definitely. I mean, the music was changing by the mid '80s to the late yes. '80s. It was, yes. it was more commercial yes. sound than you had more of the yes, yes, yes. the hair metal. Yeah, song. Yes. Was yes, it a conscious you know, effort to change your music just to like try to stay relevant with the changing times? Uh, excuse me, one more time. Well, you know, when Alien Force ended, was it more so the band could be more like a commercial-sounding band uh, the the game yes, more access? Yes, 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 yes. You know, Europe came, Europe came, and you know the the more uh, pop uh, heavy metal came. And uh, yes, we we tried uh, a little after Alien Force uh, with the new name Gallery where we played, uh, where we got keyboard. Uh, we made made some some numbers with the keyboard, but we didn't succeed with that. So uh, after that, we split up and made and, and made a Bad Medicine. Yeah, three or so, or some of the band. Yeah, and Bad Medicine went on for a couple of years before that ended in the nineties. Yes, that's right. And I think it's. Stopped in 1996. Yeah, we played maybe about four years. Yeah, I think That's most right. of the good rock and metal ended in '96. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the, the the other if you had to go back to playing a place, then we made our own record company, Alien Records, and made it and paid by ourselves. That's we, right. Uh, for the second record, you put that out on your own label, Pain and Pleasure. Yes, we did. Yes, we did that. That was so, kind of rare back then for a band that make their own label and release yeah. their own record. That was not really yeah. a big thing. 
No, but it, it was very difficult for us. Uh, we had a, with Hale and High Water. We had a, a record deal with a German, uh, a German company. Chillag uh, uh, Records was the name of it, and that was that was okay. We we that, we were very happy for that. Uh, but uh, the other uh, record we made it ourselves. So. Yeah. We paid uh, about a hundred thousand Danish kroner for that. So. That was a lot of money back then for a band to come up with. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> By the way, it, it went okay. Yeah, there there were two great records back to back, and I always wish that we had more. But you know, like things in life happen. The band changed names, broke up. But yeah. then it was around two thousand and eight that I heard you guys were getting back together. Most of that classic yeah. lineup was a part of it, and that didn't go too long yeah. either. A year or two, but I heard a band member died back then yeah. also, so that was. Yeah, but we had also yeah, but, but uh, I forgot we had uh, also the the guitar who said suddenly died from us, Michael Wenzel who who said sadly died uh, from us. He he was on the second album. Yeah, Michael Wenzel. Yeah, and, and then uh, you know as you said in 2008 we uh, I got a. <laughs> I got some fan letters from uh, Colombia and from from Japan and from all over the world. I said, "Why are you not playing?" And uh, you know, we didn't knew that we we were known <laughs> in the world. So uh, we started up a little bit in Michael's studio uh, and uh, made some both about five, five or six numbers. Uh, but uh, sadly, he died uh, from from cancer, yeah. liver cancer. Yeah. And then we then we broke uh, up because we couldn't play without him. But, so, but, uh, but you know, ten years later, maybe eight years later, Keep It True Festival yeah. called you guys. And yeah, when yeah, the internet came out, did you real? I mean, was that when you realized that you know the band has such a big and low following when when the internet was around? Yes, yes. It's a funny story because uh, Henrik, the guitar player, and I sat down here and we had a couple of beers and. Uh, and suddenly I got a uh, you know a messenger call from uh, from Keep It True Festival from Oliver, uh, and he wrote uh, if we want to play at the festival, and we we didn't we didn't use the festival at all. So so we we talked with him. I said yes, said, okay, uh, and we didn't <laughs> we didn't ask the other guys for the afterwards we of course did, and then we, we were on, and then we went down there uh, to Germany in a car and uh, had a. Great success down there. Keep it true. It was very, very nice. And people knew all the lyrics and all our songs. So we were very surprised. Yeah. Very surprised. That's a, yeah. It's a great festival. I mean, were you planning yeah. on just going there, doing the festival, and that would have been it for the band? Or was the reaction that you got from there, did you say, hey, let's keep this going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, among that, yes. Uh, we were very. Uh, Surprised that they, they knew all our numbers and they were very uh, happy. And and at that uh, concert we got uh, four other concerts where we uh, there's uh, France, uh, Spain, England, and Sweden. Yeah. Because people saw us down there. There was uh, some always some. Yeah. So we got it was very great for us. So it was a it, an opening job for us. You can say it that way. Yeah. I'm glad that it all worked out because it's keeping you, not only that, but we have a brand new record last year. We meet again, and yeah. it couldn't be a better title. You know, like, like yes. meeting up with old friends once again, you know? Yes, yes, that's right. That, that's the name of the, 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 the title of the, of the yes. 
so uh, and it's about Venus. Uh, it's eighty-five. It's a thirty-four years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a long time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the, was this record all written brand new from from now, or were there parts of this album that maybe went back to the early days? No, no. Because it sounds like such a great follow-up <laughs> to, to the yes, last record. Yes. Yeah, man, so we, we didn't uh, knew that most because uh, it was our it was Henrik uh, who had written all the uh, the, 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 the record and uh, all the lyrics, and he made it at home at, at, in, in his uh, kitchen, uh, all the numbers, and uh, he presented them, presented them for us, and we, uh, oh, and then we went in and recorded the, the album, so, uh, and we got a, a record deal with Target Records. Uh, Danish record label, so it was crazy, and uh, yeah, thirty years, thirty-four years. Yeah, after. <laughs> and, and you know, it, it's it just sounds so much like Alien Force. You know, when there's such a gap yeah. between you know, uh, yeah. you know, albums, yeah. you figure the band's gonna change. Yeah. So I guess it was an yeah. effort to kind of make it sound like the old Alien Force, but it's very updated too. Yes, 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 it is, and 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 maybe you can hear that it, it's Henrik who writes the number. Because he got a, a very, uh, he, he's very good at writing songs. Yeah, they're all great on here. So now that the album's out, you know, and, and Alien Force is like officially back now. We have new music. Yes. I mean, where do we go yes. from here? Is there going to be more albums coming out? Are you going to just look to concentrate on oh. on festivals? Uh, <laughs> for, for now, we have concentrated on, on, on festivals. Uh, we have to be here in the 27th. We play in Hamburg, and uh, we play in August in Munich, and we play in I mean December. We play Barcelona. That's uh, great. Yeah, it's, it's it's so great, and uh, but it, it's uh, 30 years too late. <laughs> <laughs> I, I yeah, yeah. I, was, I know, but we're glad that you're back and doing. Yeah. I mean, is it more fun yeah. now because you know in the earlier days? There's always that pressure yeah. on a band to like to make it. Yeah. We have to make yeah. it, and it causes yeah. fights and it causes problems with management and, and record labels. Yeah. Is it just having yeah. a good time now, where there's no pressure? Yes, yeah. Right, that's uh, there's no pressure. It's it's we're having a very fun time, and we got a new guitar player on too because uh, we made a lot of guitars on the record. So we had a new uh, guitar player, and uh, it's a funny story. He was. We were playing in uh, in, in uh, 1981. He was uh, we were practicing in, in kindergarten, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, there was a guy there. He was 10 years old, and he went down to listen to us. And he's now playing in our band. He's uh, wow. 44 years old now. And it's Jonas Jonas Rocks. He, he's uh, 40 uh, about in his 40s now, uh, younger than us. But uh, he's uh, a fan and a member of the a member of the band. That's great. So it's very funny. Yeah, it's a great story. So yeah. Oh, that, that, that nice is a guy. great story. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. the band. I mean, you've been playing out as a four piece for quite a while now. So uh, having the yeah. guitar player must be a big help. I'm more impressed that you yeah. know it's all you guys yeah. really from the classic lineup that are still together and playing all these years later. Yeah, yeah. That's rare. It, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's very rare. Uh, normally, there's only one or two left in the band, but we're full. We're full, uh, full lineup. Yeah. Uh, but the extra, you know, Jonas rocks as an extra member of the band. Yeah. So it it, it lifted the it, uh, you know when when uh, 
when there's only bass, when Henrik got to play solo guitar, there's only bass. It was hard for Henrik to to fill the gap. Yeah. But now we are two guitars. It's 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 great. It's great now. So. Do you remember the first time you guys had gotten back together after many, many years apart? And yeah. then was, did everything kind of come back to you? Was is it like riding a bicycle where you get back on it again and you remember? Or was there a lot of work trying to remember all the lyrics, how songs went? Was it yeah. difficult? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, the lyrics, yes. But, but uh, in the meantime, while we uh, Bad Medicine and Alien Force were lying still, we played some uh, copy music. So we, so we all weren't that rusty. When we get to, to practice, yeah. so we played in in some some cover bands. Uh, uh, so we were we weren't that rusty, but you're right. We have to practice. <laughs> when thirty yeah. years you played the number, you have to practice. That's that's. Uh, yeah. It happens. Yeah. Uh, did I? I don't know if I missed this or not, but I heard that you re-released the "Get It Out" like the Zyking version uh, quite some time back. Was that? Did that happen? Uh, excuse me, one more time. Get it out. The first single that you guys yes. had, I heard that yes. was re-released, and I never saw that. Was it quite a while ago? Yeah, but but, but get it out. It was uh, on the on the record psyching, but we took it with us to uh, to Helena uh, Water. Get it out. Yeah, yeah. Alien Force. Get it. Yeah, the number. Get it out. And and the, and that especially in that number, uh, people know the lyrics when we are playing. Yeah, that's you know that was a big song for a lot of fans, and it's amazing that yeah. it goes that far back and people still want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it, we have to play the old songs. When we play now, we take maybe three or four of the new songs and 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 the rest from from Hell and High Water and some number from Pain and Pleasure. Yeah, and Pain and Pleasure is being being uh, recorded again now. It will come out again now. There's a label who, uh, uh, yeah, they're going to re-release out, the yeah. record. Yeah, we released it again. Yeah, been in places, and and Ellen High Water has been re-released about four times now. Yeah, and and then uh, the when I one day and, and maybe ten years ago I was looking at the the internet and I saw that uh, Helen High Water uh, one hundred dollars was the price wow. for the vinyl record. <laughs> uh, it was crazy. <laughs> it's it's hard, you know, for people that weren't around back then and able to buy it. You know, it was impossible yeah. to get it, but over the years, people have downloaded it and gotten another way. So it's great that the yeah. albums have been yeah. re-released for the fans to buy. Especially now, everybody's buying yeah. vinyl again, so vinyl is making a yeah. big comeback. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then when you say live vinyl, we have some problem with the with the with the new movie again because I don't know if this is right, but I think that when the uh, you know the English singer Adele, she had to. She, she stole all the vinyl, so there was nothing left for the other band. So we have waited now about uh, six months to get it pressed. But I think it will come now here in July, maybe August. I hope so. That'll be it a great treat for the summer. Yeah, it, it, would, it should have been out for in, in, in January, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So we 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 waited a long time for that. Have you thought about putting out a live record, recording one of the shows live, and, and releasing a live record? It'd be great for people to hear. The band live, they can't go yeah. to Europe to see you. Uh, we, we, uh, yeah, it's a good idea. We didn't didn't thought about that. Uh, it's a good idea to, to make a, a live album. Artillery did it here in, in Copenhagen. They played Copenhagen uh, uh, here in Copenhagen, and they, they made a, a live album there. 
Oh, that'd be great. Well, Copenhagen, for people that know, is probably one of the biggest festivals over there, and you guys were a part of it this yeah. past year. Uh, we didn't play there, but we we hope that we will be part of that. Uh, maybe next year if we are lucky. Yeah. Because you know, I, I think that our uh, our, our label has a, a big impact on on Copenhagen. Uh, so uh, we hope that we can go to that festival maybe next year, next year again. Yeah, it will be great. Do you have anything coming up, in, or you know, like in the near future, right away, immediately that you want to mention? Any shows coming up, like you know, this summer? As I, as I told, we were, we were playing in in in, in, uh, in Hamburg here on twenty seventh July twenty seventh, and we play Munich a month after that, and Barcelona in 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 in, in uh, December. That'll be great. Hey, uh, Peter, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to keep you. Also, because I'm paying for this phone call, it's getting really expensive. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 it's expensive, but we could be good at that. the messenger. Uh, I know. It's, it, they never record right. It doesn't sound right when you play it back on the radio station. For some reason, oh, okay. it, it's very staticky. So here I could clean it up and fix okay. up any audio. So. Okay. <laughs> but but it, it, was, it was great talking today, and I want to get on a couple of songs off of all the albums and and I hope yes, that one yes, day sir. you can make it here to the USA because I would love to oh, see you. Oh, I would like to. And, and, and the, the race is in New York? Yep. Yes, it's crazy. It's New York, too. We would love to play in New York. Yeah. It, it, it would be too crazy. So, uh, yes. Well, I hope it can happen. But I'm always I'm always over in Europe, so I'm going to keep an eye out for where you guys are playing. Yeah, and yeah. You're welcome. Time. Yeah, and you're welcome if you come to, to Denmark. You come uh, then... Uh, we could talk to them maybe drink a beer uh, definitely the beers are on me my friend yes <laughs> <laughs> you, know, okay. you take care Peter have a great night thank you yeah you too and uh, yes yes have a nice day and evening what what time is it over now in New York over here it's 1pm uh, in the afternoon okay okay yes yes so we're yes, still yes. early here. I know okay. it's a lot later for you <laughs> Mike Mike nice to speak to you you too Peter thank you my friend take night, care night. have a great night you too they came from the mountains They came from the
Started that off with Alien Force and Rebellions off the latest record, and right there, Bad Medicine, Wheels on Fire, post Alien Force, I guess. I forgot all about that record. It was a really good hard rock record. I mean, it wasn't as commercial as they make it sound that they, I know they were going in a different direction, but it was a pretty good sounding album. All right, you know what? We're going to get the jack started about 10 minutes, so let's do a couple of, uh, how about we do some Virgin Steel and do another project of Jack Star called Devil Child, and we'll go right into the interview after that, and we'll wrap up tonight's show with a couple of tracks off the brand new record. So let's go back to the early days. Here's Virgin Steel, Danger Zone.
by Devil Child from 1985. The lineup of this band was also the core lineup of Guardians of the Flame that we started out tonight's show with, uh, just under different names. We had Anton Phipps on bass, which was Ned Maloney. Matthew Hopkins on vocals and drums, which was Joe Hasselvander. And Lucifer himself, Jack Starr, on guitar. All right, let's get to an interview with Jack right now. Mike? Hey, Jack, it's Mike. How you been? Good, good, man. Long time we didn't talk. <laughs> I know. Well, you know how we can solve that? Put out a new record every year. We'll be talking all the time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, listen, I- I'm glad that there is a new record at it. It's been about four or five years since the last album, and I tell you, you nailed it again. I don't know how you keep doing it. 40 years, dozens of records. You never disappoint. I, it, uh, well, I appreciate you saying that. I guess... Uh... You know, I just uh, love what I'm doing. You know, it's a, it's just you know, what 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 I started off doing as a kid, I'm I'm still enjoying it. You know, that's true. I mean, forty something years. I mean, when you first got started, I mean, there's always that hope that you can make it. You could make this as a living. The band's gonna hit. I mean, how, did you think about that forty something years ago? Was it more like, hey, we're just gonna get together, write music, and have fun? Or was it from the mindset from the beginning to make this your job, to make this your career? Uh, you know, when, when when I started out, really, it was exactly what you just said. It was a bunch of friends getting together, having fun, jamming, trying to play some of the songs that we liked, you know. One thing led to another, and it was like, hey, why don't we write our own stuff? You know, that kind of thing, you know. And here we are a hundred years later. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible. Well, Souls of the Innocent is another great record. And like I said... You know, if you go back to Rock the American Way, which is heckily, I guess, the first Burning Star record, you know, one yes. thing, you've always surrounded yourself with incredible singers. I mean, going back to your other bands, I'm not even getting at all the singers that play with you on different records, but, I mean, just here alone, I mean, you know, you had Mike Torelli in there in the beginning, an amazing, amazing vocalist. I mean, Todd Michael Hall, nothing yes. can be talked about with that guy. You had uh, Frank Vestry in the very beginning, and now Alex yep. Panza. Do you really, I mean, is it just potluck that you find these great guys, or do you really go out of your way to find who's going to fit I, best with your music? You know what? I'm starting to think it's just luck at this point, because <laughs> it's just pretty amazing, you know, for lightning to strike like three or four times in a row, and you know, but you, you know, you consider look Todd Michael Hall. You know, it was like I thought he was. I always thought he was great. But then you get the confirmation when a, a national TV show like The Voice yeah. says, says you're great, and you get to sing in front of a hundred million people. You know, so it's it's crazy. You know, um, then same thing with Mike Torelli. I thought Mike was great, and you know, all these reviewers were saying he was great. And and now, you know, he's got videos on YouTube with like a million views, you know, with that that thing that he does with um, some of the guys, you know, from various bands. I think they call themselves um, the Nerds or something. You know, they do like uh, Whitesnake, and they do Dio, and they do it perfectly. So... And then he gets, like, tremendous amount of views. It's crazy. Yeah. True. How'd you come across Alex? I mean, I know him from the band Hitting, but, I mean, how did you come across him? Uh, we actually, you know, we were looking for a singer for, like, two years. Uh, and let me tell you, it was not easy because 
you know, it's like Todd Michael Hall left some really big shoes to fill. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we we you know we interviewed a bunch of guys, and um, and then um, you know, we were told that you know uh, Alex would be like available, you know, and and uh, and he was really excited to uh, to play with us. And you know, then we brought him out to do some shows in Florida. We flew him in, and uh, just because we wanted to be a hundred percent sure that, you know, this yeah. wasn't just somebody that can go into a recording studio and sound great, and then you know, when you, you know, when you get up on stage with him, oh, it's like, oh, hey, what happened here? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, you definitely didn't rush into it. You picked them out. I mean, you know, when you think about like a lot of sitcoms that come on TV, those first episodes, those pilot ones, you watch them like that doesn't remind me anything of the band, you know, the show that I'm going to see later on when they all get together and it jives. Did you feel it right it, away with him when you got together in that room? Yeah, as soon as uh, as soon as we got together with Alex, it was like wow. It's like where, you know, where did this guy come from? You know, because you got to remember, he's like 29 years old, and you know we're all old enough to be his father. He—I don't know if he was even born when uh, I put out my first albums with Virgin Steel and then with Burning Star. Because let's see, he's like, let's say he's 30. It, yeah, he, he would—the first album would have been 1990 for him to have even been born. Yeah. But in actuality. He he wasn't. He was not even really. He was not even born. I just thought of it now. Wow. But so he he came on to this music. Um, I you know it's just like amazing how he how he you know here here's a young guy, but obviously the music that we all grew up with and loved made a big impression on him. You know. True. You know, Jack, when you look back from the earlier records on No Turning Back, Rock the American Way, it's a, you know, every album is distinctive in its own right, and everything kind of falls into place because you're like the link between all of them. Your guitar playing is very distinctive, so when I hear a song and I hear your guitar playing, I know it's Jack Starr. That defines to me your sound and your band. But each one was sort of like its own sort of chapter. Maybe with each singer was a different chapter, or, you know, when the band kind of broke up for a while and got back together. I mean, do you consider, like, each ever of the band different chapters or each decade, or is it all one continuous run to you? No, I think, you know what, I think it, it, they are different chapters, you know, and and like you mentioned, I really did take a, a pretty long break um, before Ned, the bass player, and I got back together. Um, we got back together, it was like around 2003. Uh, I moved to Florida in 2004, after and you know Ned had already been living there, and uh, so after after we got together, you know, in 2003 in Florida, and we were working on music again, I thought to myself, you know, this is so cool. You know, here's here's a guy that I know and I'm comfortable playing with. You know, and we like each other's personalities. Maybe I should just be in Florida. You know, <laughs> and, and you know we could. You know, it's kind of like, you know, that old, that old cliche, hey, let's put the band back together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and Ned have been together a long time, longer than most married couples have been together. So there's obviously yeah. something there that works, you know? Yeah, you know, it, uh, honestly, it's really like mutual respect. I mean, you know, the when he comes up with an idea, 
I'm like, okay, I want to hear it and let's try it out. Not, oh, oh, the bass player came up with it, so I don't want to use it. You know, some of these people in metal bands or in just any band, they're very egoed out. You know, they think that if it doesn't come from them, it can't be good. And I have the opposite, um, you know, feeling, you know, which is, I work with Ned, you know, I love his musical ideas, I love his input, his arrangement ideas, and so I think that's why we work together well, you know, and um, even uh, the fact that uh, he's just an incredible bass player, you know, I mean, if he was a dick and an incredible bass player, you know, it would be tempting to have him in the band anyway, but this is like very cool. He's a nice guy and he plays great. What more? Yeah. You know, well, and he looks and he looks really good too. He's got really <laughs> great. Got that long hair going still. Yeah, so it's like, hey, you know, all good. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I, I can't even name every band that you've been a part of. I mean, you, you mentioned Virgin Steel. Everybody knows you from that back in the day. You know, there's Devil's Child, there's Phantom Lord. You play with Joe Hasselvan. You did Guardians of the Flame. I mean, so many bands that talk about it, and it's funny because. With Burnstar being around for almost, you know, since 84, basically, I mean, people will still yeah. go back to Virgin Steel. And when you think about it, as great as those first two records are, they're really just a little blip on the radar of your entire career. Yeah, you know, that's true. And, and sometimes I think about that, and I'm thinking, you know, it's kind of funny that a lot of times, you know, I still get, uh, you know, labeled, you know, ex-Virgin Steel, guitar player, Burning Star, guitar player. And I'm thinking, why? I did two albums and an EP like 40 years ago. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's exactly like what you said, you know, it's a blip on the radar. That's what it is. And it was a cool blip, and I enjoyed it. And, you know, I I will never say anything bad about it because it got, it got, it opened a lot of doors, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about it, Virgin Steel was kind of there at the very beginning of the scene, especially here in New York, you know, I mean, you were right. kind of like the forefathers of like what was going to take place over the years to come. You guys kind of started a lot of stuff. So I think maybe that's why. But when you think about it, I mean, over the years, you've gone effortlessly through, like seamlessly through blues music, hard rock, heavy metal. You know, you melded it all together. You've done it separately. I mean, it's kind of, a, you know, when you think about it, it's really impressive what you've put out over the last couple of decades. Yeah, you know, and I, you know, I always feel really fortunate, you know, that, you know, here I am, you know, it's 2022 and I can still get record deals and, and, um, I, you know, we, we just signed to Global Rock Records. It's a, it's a new label, uh, great, great new label because they believe in the artists that they sign and, uh, you know, especially Brian Adams, who's the owner of the label. And uh, also, um, we have a new manager, Giles Lavery, and uh, he, you know, he manages some other bands from the '80s, like uh, Alcatraz. He was managing them, uh, you know, the band Girls School yeah. from England, and, and uh, I think he was. Oh yeah, he also manages uh, Chris Impellitary, the guitar player. So he's he's pretty firmly entrenched, you know, in the metal world, and. Um, so it's cool, you know, here we are, you know, with a new manager, a new record label, and a new singer. So I feel in a way that, you know, I'm very fortunate that I can just keep going, and uh, I'm reinventing myself a little bit, you know, because of that. 
but yet it's still recognizable. Oh, absolutely. Without, without a doubt. That's like I say, you know, I know from your guitar playing, I mean, there's a certain style you have, a certain tone, a certain vibe. And when I hear it, I'll say right away, that's, that's something Jack Starr's doing. I can tell right away. And that's, you know, to come up with a, a guitar sound that's so identifiable, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into that, I would think. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you mention it because it's really, I mean, this is just a little note to guitar players that might be listening. It's really all about the vibrato. Like different guitar players have different, you know, vibrato. And I can kind of identify like, you know, is it Clapton? Is it Leslie West? Is it Michael Schenker? Is it Gary Moore? It's just kind of like the way they, uh, they, way they approach the note and the way they sustain and bend the notes, you know? So I think that, you know, I've been playing like, I don't know, about 50 years now. So I think I have my own way of like bending, you know, the notes. And uh, it's kind of a, a, you know, it's kind of a mix of like Leslie West, who was a huge influence on me. And, and then some of the blues guys, you know, like B.B. King and Albert King. And then uh, guys like Carlos Santana. And, uh, and of course, Gary Moore, great guitar player. Yeah, incredible, incredible guitar player. You know, when I think about all the albums that you've put out over the years, I mean, have you ever just hit a wall where you just said, I don't know where to go next, I don't know what to do, I'm out of ideas, or did it just keep coming to you as you keep trying, or is, is it effortlessly on your part? Well, uh, yeah, you know, it does get harder sometimes because, you know, the the thing is, and it, it's kind of a mixed blessing, okay, if you have come off a really great record you know that got great reviews then you have to in the back of your mind when you're writing songs and recording you're thinking oh boy I gotta I gotta do something that's as good as what I did last time and the time before and the time before so it kind of uh, it, it is it's, uh, it's there's some pressure there you know do you work better on the pressure, or do you just need that time to, like, you know, think about what you're doing and, and make it happen? Does your, best, does your best work come out of you, I should say, when you just go out there and go for it, or do you really sit down and have to think about it, plan it, work on the parts of the songs? Uh, I think that I actually work better under pressure. Like, like I need a timeline. Like, I need, um, you know, I need people pushing me. Like, I'll push them, too, but they, they need to push me, like, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I was recording with uh, Ned and Rhino, you know, sitting next to me as I'm, you know, struggling with, you know, getting really great guitar tracks. And, uh, you know, they'll say, you can do better. And I'm just about, you know, like, I don't know. You sure, guys? You know, <laughs> you really want me to do, you know, take number 11, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, and I'll do it, you know, and then sometimes after Take 11, sometimes we go back to take number one and realize that that was it, that was the best take, you know, and then uh, and then sometimes, you know, like, I'll give you a case in point, like, there's a really cool song on the new album, it's a song that Ned actually wrote uh, pretty much with no help from me, it's called Ships in the Night. And um, so we're recording that song, and, you know, there's like about a, I don't know, 30, 40-second little gap for me to do a guitar solo. 
and I'm playing pretty much what's coming off the top of my head and which was actually I don't know if I was in a Stevie Ray Vaughan mood that day or what but that's what was coming out and and Ned and Rhino were just looking at me like nah nah that's not gonna work yeah. we're a metal band. and okay so take number three let me change a couple of notes they're looking at me nah it still sounds too bluesy so in that particular song I think I got to like take number eight wow. and basically I took all the blues notes out of it but I still phrased it like a blues solo so basically what I was coming up with was more like a Michael Schenker Gary Moore thing because those guys really phrased like they're blues guitar players but then just not really playing any blues notes and that's what I ended up doing on some of the songs that were like a little that my solos might have been a, a bit too bluesy yeah but don't you think blues in a way kind of has its I should say hard rock and heavy metal have its roots in the blues scene because they all kind of go hand in hand they're all kind of evolved, you know all of a sort of evolved from the blues in a way yeah you're right and uh so for me, it's not really like a big leap, you know, for, uh, from blues, you know, to metal. I think the thing that makes like, you know, a guitar player like Gary Moore that makes him, um, makes him, you know, uh, liked by metalheads, even though he's not a, a metal guitar player, it's just the passion, the intensity that he played with, you know. The guy was ripping into notes, just like Zach Wilde does, just like Leslie West does, Michael Schenker. So that's the similarity, you know, it's that attack, you know, and um, so I do that. I, and and that's actually why sometimes, you know, some guys that are totally into blues might not like what I'm doing because I'm approaching that thing like metal, <laughs> you know? So it's like you can't really please everybody but one thing is sure I play with a lot of you know emotion you know I really try to I don't try to like you know phone it in or dial it in I just I want to do it I want to kind of go for the throat let the guitar you know let it rip you know hit the pinched harmonics you know and uh, and that's you know it's, it's kind of worked for me so I keep doing it <laughs> it's true you know because you talk about Gary Moore like that and he's definitely one of my all time favorite plays and it's true, he was always blues-based from day one, basically. But I think it was Victims of the Future that kind of put him into the, the heavy metal realm. That's where he sort of came on the radar for Metalheads with that record. And they just accepted yeah. it. And, it became, you know, I, I thought that was so cool at the time. It was like, everybody's talking about Gary Moore. But, like, he's like a blues guy. Well, you know, he's not metal. But that album, I think, just opened them up to a whole new audience. Exactly. You know, and, and uh, same thing really with Schenker. I mean, Schenker, if he wanted to, could probably do an incredible blues album same thing with uh richie blackmore you know those guys have really you know deep roots and yet you know so many metal guitar players have been like influenced you know by blackmore or by tony iomi who started off um he had a blues band i think it was called um earth blues band which was before you know they switched to uh black sabbath that, that, that's right. You know, really, you go back to that, that era, the late 60s, heavy metal really didn't exist in the way that we know it now, so it was all evolving from that scene. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. What you're saying is, you know, totally, totally correct. 
So I think, you know, like if people check out the album, uh, Souls of the Innocent, they're going to be surprised because it's not really exactly like another metal album. It's it's different. You know, I'm not saying it's like 100% different or that we reinvented the wheel. I don't think I don't think we did, but I think there's something about it that's different. I agree. I can't put my finger on it because you know, I've played it over and over again. I'm like, there's something here, and people have to hear it to actually, you know, know what we're talking about. I think when they go through all yeah. the songs on there, they'll say, "I got it now. I, un- I understand that." They can't compare it to any other previous Burning Star record, but yet it's Burning Star. Yeah, and and you know, and it still has you know the elements. I mean. You know, Rhino is just such an incredible, powerful drummer. Anything that he plays on is going to have that that huge, you know, drum sound, and it's going to have, like, you know, these, like, really cool drum fills that I don't really hear a whole lot of people doing. Uh, I mean, if you listen to the song Demons Behind Me, uh, there's some really incredible drums on that particular song. And we kind of had to fight a little bit to keep the to keep that drum track on the record because certain people thought that it was too much that it was like bombastic you know and kind of playing over the track playing too much and we said no hell no that's what makes him a great drummer that he can do that you know that he can play like Cozy Powell and uh, Tommy Aldridge, so that I think makes it a you know makes it a, a really good record to listen to. Ned Ned's just turned into an incredible bass player, you know, and and I don't mean that you know condescendingly. Like I mean, he was always a really good bass player, but he keeps getting better. You know, it's like you know, and you know when you reach a certain age. Um, a lot of times, really, you're not going to get any better than, you know, it's like, okay, you, you shot your load, you, yeah, you've you done peaked. whatever you're going to do, and you're not going to get better, so deal with it, you know? My wife but tells me that every got, night in bed. <laughs> then you get guys like Ned, it's like, he keeps getting better. I think, you know, and I don't want to speak for Ned, but I, I think that honestly, he's very influenced by great bass playing, you know, like Steve Harris and um, uh, uh, what's the guy from Rush? Uh, Getty Lee. Yeah, Getty Lee and, you know, guys like that, you know, and I think that Ned won't rest until he's acknowledged to be that good. And I think it's happening quicker than he thinks because the bass playing on, on this album is really, really good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no denying the the talent of each individual band member and what comes out as a whole. I mean, you'll have people like Ingefe Malmsteen. I mean, one of the best guitar players out there, a talent through and through. But sometimes there's more focus on him and his notes and what he can play than the actual songs. Do you think that the ego of a band member or multiple members of a band who are talented in what they do can kind of destroy the band and its songs? Isn't the song the most important thing in the end? Yeah, you, you're right. You really have to play for the song. Um, I mean, you know, I love Ingray's playing. I, I loved it, especially, you know, on the first three, four albums, you know, like Marching Out and uh, the first one. 
And I also like the one he did uh, called Odyssey yeah. with Joe and Turner. I liked all those albums. And um, I mean, I'm not here to talk, you know, to say anything negative about Ingve, but he kind of, uh, kind of lost that particular focus that he had back then, you know. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's like that for a lot of bands. I mean, ego can destroy a band. Music, I mean, listen, I love those first two Virgin Steel records. I still played them till today. Everything that came out after that, it was a different sounding band. You know, maybe it was David, and, you know, I don't want to get into, like, like I said, talking about people. Maybe it's just, you know, his ego that got in the way, what he can do. And it wasn't enjoyable after that. It just wasn't the same music to me. Yeah, I totally. I, I didn't hear the last part of it. Can you just repeat what you said? Oh, I was just saying all the records after the, like the second or third Virgin Steel record. You know, I didn't enjoy them anymore because you know David went off in a whole different direction. It became these big you know yeah. operatic productions, and that's not the band right. that I fell in love with. I mean, the, I'm not saying the bad records, but they're not the yeah. same. And sometimes it's a band member's ego that can you know create that sound and style. Yeah. Well, the thing with Virgin Steel too is. Um, the guitar player, you know, that replaced me, Eddie, is great. He's he's an incredible guitar player. I would really love it. I don't know if Eddie's still in the band. I mean, I'm thinking he is, but I don't know. But if he's, you know, still in the band and and uh, they're going to record, you know, another album, I would really love to hear more more of what Eddie is capable of because the guy can play. There's no doubt about that, you know. And and. Uh, and I've always been more into guitar anyway than keyboards, and that was kind of one of the uh, issues with that, you know, with you know me and Dave, you know, not getting along and calling it quits way back, way back when, you know. But but I'll tell you something. Like I like bands also that have keyboards, but not when the keyboard is too dominant. Um, I really liked. I don't know if you remember Uriah Heep. Yep. But they were a great band, and I thought Mick, the guitar player, was great. Uh, and, uh, you know, so it's just a question of finding that right uh, mixture. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you're, you're, mix, you're coming up with salad dressing. You know, how much oil, how much vinegar, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, Jack, with all the Burning Star records that are out there now, there's definitely a large catalog to go out there and perform live with. I mean, have you ever thought about going out there and just doing everything from your past catalog? The, the you know, the, the Jack Star solo stuff, stuff from maybe his Devil Child, Guardians of the Flame, Phantom Lord. Have you ever thought about going out there and just like, you know, just touching on a whole career catalog of your music? Well, you know, I, de I definitely want, um, when we start playing out, which will probably be in the, the latter part of this year, uh, and and you know in 2023, I definitely want to include stuff you know that 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 were that was a part of my early career you know because it's like you know that's who I am and that's kind of how I define myself and see myself. So yeah, there'll be a couple of Virgin Steel songs. There'll be some stuff from the first uh, couple of Burning Star albums. Uh, there'll be. Uh, some stuff from that album I did with Red Forrester, which I thought was a really great album. Great and, album. Yeah, and, and by the way, that's coming out again because the new label that I signed with, Global Rock, they're, um, one of the things that really made me happy is that they, they're going to put out the whole, the whole enchilada. They're putting out all 10 
Burning Star albums are gonna wow. are gonna be reissued. That's gonna be great because you know a lot of people weren't able to get a hold of those albums over the years. You know, yeah, and that it it's just amazing that anybody you know is still interested in hearing it, but they are, and I'm I'm grateful. You know, it's like who would have thought? You know, you do years later someone is going to actually be interested in hearing it you know you're you're not even thinking you're going to be alive in 40 years you, know, <laughs> you, 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 don't, you don't you don't know you know especially you know when you're like you know when you're like 22 23 years old you know you're just you're you're thinking you know you're invincible and you're never going to get old that's that's what's going through your mind you know yeah. when, when did that change for you because i know for me it was about eight years ago <laughs> <laughs> Well, it started changing. <laughs> Honestly, about like ten years ago, you know, yeah. yeah. And I started realizing, hey, we're all mortal. We all, we're all here on Earth for a certain amount of time. We have a it's each other. You know, we don't need to be dicks. Yeah. We really don't. You know, and I try to, I, I try to live my life like that. You know, I don't want to. Uh, I don't need to prove anything. You know, I have some people that are, you know, you talk to them and they're always like trying to make a point. It's like, you know, just, just talk to me, you know, you know, and some people want to show how intelligent they are or knowledgeable or, you know, whatever. Or, and, um, I've, I've never really been like that, you know, so I get along really good with people that aren't like that either. You know, you can just shoot the breeze with them, you know? Absolutely. Well, I hope this new label actually goes back and, and re-releases the Guardians of the Flame record because one of my favorite records that you ever put out. What a lineup on that with you know Ned again playing bass with you, Joe Hasselvanda on drums, and yeah. Sammy Avigal. I, Sammy was one. Of, I love Sammy. We spoke all the time when he passed away. He killed me. Schmuluk was a great yeah. guy, and I would love to see that get re-released again. Yes, and um, that album, which back then we called it Guardians of the Flame. Uh, and the title was Under a Savage Sky. But it's going to get re-released, but it's not going to be under a name that nobody ever heard of, Guardians of the Flame. It's going to be called Burning Star 6, okay. Under a Savage Sky. That's going to be the exact same album. But, you know, I, I'll always remember the words that Joey DeMaio of Manowar told me. Because I don't know if, if you remember, but I did sign, you know, with Joey's label, Magic, Magic Circle. Magic Circle, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we put out an album. And anyway, I don't know, one day I was talking to Joey, and we are just talking about, you know, he was, you know, because Joey's very, very intelligent and very curious, and he'll ask you the probing questions when you talk to him, you know. He just gets to the bottom, and he basically said, Jack, he goes, why did you call that album... Guardians of the Flame. And I thought, hmm, that's an interesting question. Then I said, well, what do you mean, Joey? And he goes, well, look, it's you and Ned. You guys pretty much have been collaborating forever. You've got an incredible drummer, Joe Hasselvander. You got Sammy Avigal, great lead singer. So why don't you call it a burning star album and I said oh I don't know maybe you're right then then Jerry looked at me and made me feel a lot better he goes he goes Jack look 
you created a lot of goodwill with the name Burning Star. It's not like you've been putting out crappy albums. You've been you've been doing good work. You created you know some goodwill. Why don't you call it Burning Star album? Okay, that was like 10, 11 years ago. Now fast forward to twenty twenty two, and I'm talking to Giles Lavery, our new manager, and I said, you know, I said, and I'm kind of like you know timid, you know, like well. Um, Giles, do you think, you know, like maybe it might be a good idea to do a name change, you know, because uh, blah, blah, blah. It's really a Burning Star album. And he just said, of course, because that's a, that's a good idea. So we went with it. And when it comes out and gets reissued, it's going to be called Burning Star 6, Under a Savage Sky. That's going to be great. I mean, I'm, I'm so happy that it's coming out again. And if it came out on vinyl, it would be even better. Yes, I'm totally with you on that. Uh, I'm a vinyl collector. I mean, I collect record albums. I don't, I don't know why, but I just there's something about holding like a big album in your hand. Yeah. When you're listening to it and looking at the pictures, maybe reading the lyric sheet, whatever. It's just so cool, you know? Yeah, music and, uh, is supposed to be that whole experience of going to the store, seeing that album cover, bringing it home, reading the lyrics. You know, bands would put pictures yeah. on the back, little things that you know you would you feel like they would just right. talk to you. It was a whole. It was like going to a movie or watching your favorite TV show. It was like the whole thing. Yeah, and you discover like new things about it. I mean, sometimes, man, I would look at some of those Zeppelin albums. You know, I don't know, ten, twenty times. You know, or each time I'm listening to. And I, oh, I didn't notice that before. Oh, you know, and you're like, it's just things that you notice, you know, that you didn't, or or even I didn't hear that before, because there was a lot going on on all those early records, you know, by Queen, by Zeppelin, by Rainbow, uh, Deep Purple. Listen to it, you know, the, the more you get out of it. And so that's kind of always been like my attitude, you know, when you, put out an album it's like really make it count make it like it could be your last album you know you know and it would be the same thing like if i were an actor you know and i was and i was you know acting in movies i wouldn't i would not want to be in some of the movies that come out today you know <laughs> but I guess. So, so bad you know? it's true you know, I speak to a lot of guys that have been around, you know, with this scene as long as we have, and I always say to them, you know, we have a whole new way of recording today. People can record albums in, in their bedroom with a, with a machine. You don't have to go to a studio. Yeah. It costs you millions of dollars to put out an album. But I'm like, you know, it's a different sound today than it was back then. I'm like, do you prefer, you know, the old way of recording on a reel-to-reel or, or the digital? I always expect them to say, no, I, I love the old way of doing it. And none of them actually say that. They're like, no, I prefer it now. I can start and stop anywhere I want in a song. We don't have to rewind tape, try to match things up. I mean, you've been involved in both of these uh, type of recording processes that are well known. I mean, do you prefer it the old way or do you like the way things are done now in the recording studio? Well, you know, these albums actually have been done pretty much the old way. So, you know, um, that's kind of, I don't know why we continue doing it that way, but we pretty much have, I mean, if, if you had a telescope and you could see how we start the process, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, literally it's a cassette deck 
Ned and I get together. We uh, write stuff and we put it on cassettes. And sometimes, you know, when you get real adventurous, we'll take two cassette decks, have one cassette deck play a rhythm track, have another one that we bounce off of. But then, that's step one. Then step two is about, I don't know, 10 years ago, I think, or Ned got Pro Tools in his house, you know, which is like a computer you know, recording program. So then we went and started making um, the demos on Pro Tools. And Rhino also had this really cool recording system. It was a Roland uh, 8-track recorder with a built-in CD burner. And um, so we were making demos on, you know, this kind of stuff. On uh, And then we would send the files to Kevin Burns, who's the producer of the last couple of albums, and he's the producer of this album. And um, as for, for the guitar, and also for drums, too, uh, there's something called reamping. Have you ever heard of that at all? I heard the term. I don't exactly know what it means, but I've heard that term before. Yeah, what it means basically is that you can take a clean signal from uh, from your amplifier, and it, and so you put that on a file, and then the file can go to a real studio, not your home studio, got it, not your not your bedroom, uh, a real studio that has all the really expensive goodies, the stuff that I can't afford, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like like five thousand dollar mics, like. You know, $10,000 guitar amplifiers, uh, you know, huge consoles and all that stuff. And so when uh, Ned is very good friends with Kevin Burns, and they've been friends forever also. And Kevin owns this studio up in Maryland. And uh, he's also an incredible guitar player. The guy um, recorded an album with uh, Don Dockin. So, you know, you can't you can't be a slouch. You can't be bad and, and get to play with Don Doc and yeah. you know. Not after George Lynch, you know. He's he's got like you know, pretty high standards. So so anyway, Ned is good friends with, with Kevin and um he's he's always uh, gotten, you know, Kevin to you know, to help us and work with us and and so we so getting back to what we do, so we send these tracks to Kevin Burns and these are clean when I say clean I mean like there's no distortion no delay no nothing and then Kevin will reamp them which means uh, running the signal again but through really good equipment through the kind of equipment that the big guys use yeah. you know yeah. and I mean the big guys you know Iron Maiden Saxon except you know and um and presto we get that sound just like they do you know it's because it's tough to get that sound in your bedroom with no help without you know without at some point uh having a professional studio get involved 
And so we get that with uh, with Kevin. And uh, I think, you know, if, if you listen, you know, like Souls of the Innocent, one of the things, you know, that I'm really proud of, and it's because, you know, lots of guitar players are going to say, well, I'm really, I'm really happy with my leads. I'm really happy with this, with that. But, but really, none of that matters if it doesn't sound good. True. It's, it's got to be well produced. It's, you know, it has to have a big, fat, clear, heavy sound. And thank you, Kevin Burns, if you're listening, brother, because, <laughs> because yeah. man, you know, we, we wouldn't have that sound right now yeah. without him. You know, he definitely created magic on this record. There's no doubt about it, Jack. I'm not going to keep you, man. We've been talking a while. I'm going to play some songs off the new record. I mean, it comes right. out the 15th. You know, tomorrow technically. This this interview is going to air Sunday on the, on the Sunday night show, but it comes out tomorrow yeah. on, on Global Rock Records. I mean, what yeah. do you got coming up for this year? Anything uh, happening this year? I mean, you're in Florida, well, so COVID don't exist. Yeah. You can go out and play all the time. Yeah, we're going to be doing some shows at the latter part of the year, and. uh Right now, the, the the cool thing is that this label is really making uh, acceptance in America a big deal. You know, like all the other you know labels that I've been on really didn't really care whether anybody in America was getting you know the album or whether you know they were going to review it or whatever. So because we're starting to build the fan base in America, I really can envision us playing in our own country. What a concept. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's going to happen. I really do. Uh, so I'm really happy about that. And all your listeners, you know, really just check it out. Check out the album. I'm not going to sit here and say it's great or it's the best thing since sliced bread, but I think we made a, I think we made a real good metal album. And, and um, go to YouTube, type in Jack Star's Burning Star. There's, there's going to be three videos starting tomorrow. Demons Behind Me, I Am the Sinner, and Souls of the Innocent. And then just go to Global Rock Records and uh, get more info because uh, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's, we're, ha we're, we're all really happy with it, actually. It's definitely another shining star in your collection. Keep them up, my friend. And listen, if you ever make your way back home to New York, let me know. We'll go out and have a drink. That sounds wonderful. Let's do it, man. You got it, Jack. Take care, my friend. I'll talk to you again real all soon. Right. Okay, you got it. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Hi, brand new Burning Star All Out War. After 40 years, Jack still knows how to deliver. I want to thank him for being on tonight's show. I want to thank Peter Anderson of Alien Force for being with us tonight. We're going to wrap it up with one more song off the brand new Burning Star record. I will see you guys next Sunday night. Dave Enos of Emerald is our guest. He'll be on the show live next week. And then we're taking the last weekend of the month off while I go on vacation with the wife. So here you go. River of Blood, brand new Burning Star.
Start your summer with fountains, flowers, and fun at Longwood Gardens. Stroll through acres of brilliant blooms, soak up daily fountain shows, and revel in the always exciting spirit of summer at Longwood. Plan your visit at longwoodgardens.org. At Omni Hotels and Resorts, discover endless ways to enjoy your summer. Hike, bike, dine, zipline, and more at over 50 city and resort destinations coast to coast. Explore all we have to offer and book now at omnihotels.com slash summer.